Welcome to episode 164 of A Pint with Shawnee B. This is the US Election Special Part 3. We were wondering whether we would be able to squeeze three podcasts out in the run-up to the forthcoming US general election. We are three or four days out, depending on your time zone, from said election. And the plot keeps getting thicker and thicker and almost as if it has been written by someone like Sorkin or one of those other... West Wing type people. The thing is gone crazy. Luckily, someone who hasn't gone crazy is the Don. She's with me as ever. How are you? How's your ma's your dad working? They're both retired. And else. <laughs> um, we have gone into lockdown in Dublin, uh, in Ireland, uh, again. What to say about that, I don't know, except that all over Europe, the COVID pandemic is flaring up again, big style. Held on now, because lockdown has lost all meaning. It's just a word we fuck around like confetti at a wedding. Uh, right, quick one. In Ireland, we they introduced a level system, one to five, and it took them months and months to come up with this shit. The notable thing being, like, level one is kind of, we're managing a lot of stuff is open. Level five is... One is, you're grand. You're grand. Level five is now, lads, come on now. <laughs> so, But the funniest part is it took them so long to come up with this intricate level system, and never once have they stuck to <laughs> never once have they gone yeah we're on level two it's always been two and a bit or three minus a bit and it's like four with a twist (laughs) so what we're at is level five which should be the full full tilt which is why people say lockdown however what that is now in ireland is schools are open everything else is shut you're supposed to be at home if you're not an essential worker but an awful lot of every company is now going oh well we're essential and here's why so we're two weeks into a six-week lockdown if you will and we're now in the midst of you know, the big German supermarkets, which most countries will have, like Aldi and Little, they're, they're just bargain supermarkets. They always have the middle aisles, like you can buy a chainsaw or skis or like a knitting set. And so now the, the, like the, there's been so much upset that like all the shops have to close because they're not essential. And then so some of the bigger chains, like Dunn Stores is a supermarket, but they also have um clothing and like homewares. So they're like, well, we're allowed to open. And then the smaller shops go, well, how come they can sell baby clothes, but we can't? And they can sell shoes, but we can't. So they're like a big retailer and we're a small family business and we're being crushed yet again. So then the government's had to go, no non-essential items. So now even supermarkets that are bargain supermarkets that happen to have like baby socks in the background go, no, nope, you can't sell them. So there's uproar about that. It's very funny watching the government yeah, try and it's, it's amazing how much greed really is at, at the lingering and lurking behind the scenes in all of this because there are a lot of people out there who are going, you know, we have to move towards zero virus, which is very difficult to do, very difficult to do for us. But some countries have done it. Uh, New Zealand have done it. Australia are pretty good at the moment and South Korea and places like that, Singapore. So, you know, it is possible. But behind the scenes, it's like, I want to buy things. Yeah. I want to go out. I want to see people. And I get that it's it's painful, but we have everything. Well, I suppose the yeah. argument for us, which, I mean, I, I suppose I'd have to agree with, is it's not an option for us because we share a land border with Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK. So, obviously, it's different jurisdiction. We don't have a hard border, which is a massive thing of Brexit. So it's not realistic to say we're going to have a zero COVID thing, but up the north, they have their own government but they don't control the purse strings so the government in the north could say look we need to introduce lockdown we're going we're doing a whole island approach and if you can see in the south they're doing this and this is what we need to do because our numbers are like that but they're look the purse strings are in london and they're going fuck off so you can't introduce a full lockdown if you haven't got the money for the pandemic payments and all that kind of stuff which they have gotten in the past few weeks but not to any great extent so the point being that even if the government in the south work with the government in the north 
it's just not a viable option to try and aim for a zero COVID island. Of so. course, those overseas listeners will know that Northern Ireland is part of Great Britain and uh, we're from the south, uh, which is causing a few problems given the traffic that goes between the two countries. And we have got, uh, we, we have a social bubble going. That's why the Don is in the house tonight. So I have had to take a couple of weeks out for quarantining. Um, I had a, will I tell the story? Of Go on. Him, you Go know, on. Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to look at an apartment about three weeks ago in uh, Flat. Yeah, Flat over near Houston Station, which is the biggest uh, train station in Dublin. And uh, I was there early and they couldn't see me because it was all done in a booking scheme. And so I had, to, I had an hour to kill. So I went up to the nearest hotel. There was a Hilton out near uh, Hilmain, and those of you who know the area. So I went in there and had some lunch. The salad. I was off the booze, remember? We're back on the booze now, by the way. We'll come to that. And you know that bit where you kind of, you know, some people, I'm not sure everyone listening, but you have that sort of, just before you leave home or you leave a restaurant or, you you know, it's probably instilled in us since we were kids. What I do is go into the toilet yeah, now. Yeah, do I need I go? to go to the loo? And I'm going, ah, oh, grand. And you have a little thing and you go, oh, I'll be fine. You know, everything seems to be in order. And so I trundled down the hill to these apartments I was looking at. And by the time I got to the apartments, it was like, yeah, I could probably do with one. I'm not desperately desperate for the bathroom. but So I, it was a posh kind of apartment complex. And I said, do you have a bathroom? And I thought, you know, get it out of the way while I'm waiting for the person to come show me. Oh, no, we don't have any bathrooms. And I'm kind of going, well, that's pretty... <laughs> Please come and live here. I'll definitely not be coming to live here. So I looked at the, uh, at the apartments and then I had to walk back to Houston Station. Of course, like all these apartment blocks, they always say, oh, right beside Houston. It's about a mile away. By the time I walked down to Houston Station, let's just say the lunch was all, everything was just jiggling and jaggling and I really needed to go to a number two. Had things say. moved along. I needed to do a coup. And the only option open to me was Houston Station, which is manky. You know, anyone listening to this, just think of your biggest train station. Think of the bathrooms. They're usually shit. So I, I said to myself, I wouldn't be able to get a cab because I probably need to stop the cab. So I, I was, it was now getting a bit urgent. So I go into Houston Station bathrooms where everyone since Wolf Tone has had a shit in there, right? It's been <laughs> the, amount, the amount of poos that have gone into that is probably per capita in Dublin. It's the biggest poo bathroom. So I go in there and I get, and there's, all the cubicles are full except for one and I'm now sort of you know the way that other bit where you're ready to go and you kind of you kind of relax a bit and you go oh no I've got... so there was no lock on the door so I was holding the, jamming the door over my foot and I had my mask on willing your sphincter to let go down, I was putting down paper on the on the toilet did it all fly away when you went to sit on it to, to <laughs> remove any latent Daniel O'Connell shit Stickles that might have been still there from when he did a poo there back in the day. And anyway, I, and then I'm just about to go. And the, the best way to describe this is, you know, the uh, White House Time magazine cover with COVID coming out of the top of the White House. Oh, like the particle, the giant particle. No, no, it was just like it was like, oh, spraying out oh, of the okay. sky. You know, it was like that. The guy in the cubicle next to me was, I don't, didn't see him. He sounded very old and he started coughing like his fucking life depended on. He was trying to cough himself inside out and it was just, it was wet, horrible <laughs> coughing. And I'm there trying to do a poo quickly and I'm sweating and I'm getting all freaked out and I'm thinking I'm getting COVID. And I'm trying to, and then I'm trying to go, God, this is, this is like, I'm, I, it was like, the, it was one like foot the, holding the stall door yeah, closed and, and the other just kind of go Every time I let the door go, the wind would blow it in and I'd be, oh, 
Anyway, I got out of there, I wiped my hands, and I was sweating, I was a mess, and I thought, I've definitely caught COVID. Um, and, you know, I needed to say I'm not taking the apartment, but uh, I got home, and then a couple of days later, I four days later, I was laid up with extreme lethargy now, or lethargy, is it lethargy or lethargy? Lethargy. Lethargy, yeah. I'd say RT probably says lethargy. I had extreme lethargy, and, <laughs> and so I'm sitting there in bed, I can't move, and I'm, I don't have any... Cough, thankfully. I don't have any fever. A couple of times, a bit of fever. Uh, and I have my sense of smell and my sense of taste. But we decided, being upstanding citizens, that I would go into quarantine for 14 days, which I did and appear to be okay now. But that brought up a lot of interesting discussions. Well, I'd clarify on that. So this was just... It, the, the incident <laughs> occurred on a Thursday. And I was chatting to you on Thursday evening. I had a shit day myself and I realised you had a worse one. And I was due to come over on the Friday. I'd usually come over on a Friday. And you were still telling me, like, Jesus, I'm kind of paranoid. Like, if I, because, like, so Sean's been really good. And, like, n- not that you've been health anxiety about it, but I suppose you're not out every day working. So you're kind of in a position to be careful. And you'd be quite, you'd be a sort of an upstanding person anyway. So you've been quite careful and cautious without being paranoid so this probably got you because you haven't been out in the world and you were like and you're having a rough day anyway so you weren't in the best form so I came over and you're a bit paranoid and on the Saturday you're like I feel a bit lethargic and I was like yeah but we've been off the booze for a month and now we got hammered last night so you may in fact be hung over and you were like okay grand it's fine it's fine it's just I'm just getting paranoid we're actually just hung over but come Monday I've I've gone home and you're like don't feel well at all Tuesday don't feel well at all so from my perspective I'm going okay I wasn't there. Sounds like you. I wouldn't best be pleased myself if I'm in a trapped, confined space with someone who's hacking their guts up and I'm going, oh, Jesus. But I'm also like, you see, we're in a pandemic. And even if you're not a nervy sort of person, paranoia sets in. I, I'm sorry, if you have no paranoia in this pandemic, you're not awake at all. <laughs> like, you, you, that's it's just perfectly natural. Like, you don't have kids, but I, I have kids. As soon as somebody says something about there's a case of lice in the school, the sooner you see the word lice your skin is crawling and you're convinced you have it. Your child hasn't even come home from school yet. And it's not even in your class. And I'm kind of going, this applies to the pandemic. The minute someone fucking sneezes, you're going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Yeah, it was the day before we went back on the booze officially. And we did we did the full uh, time off the booze, which uh, was good. And luckily we did it before the, uh, the lockdown. But anyway, it seems that like I don't have COVID. And I didn't get tested because I was sort of going, well, I'm in my own apartment. I'm not going to go out anywhere. I'm going to just stay in the apartment, which I did for 14 days, except to go heavily masked to buy some groceries one day late on when I knew that I was okay. And it, it sort of begged the question, like I was kind of worried that if I hadn't got it, I, mean, I didn't feel like I had it. That I'd probably catch it at the, the, at the testing stage. Well, this is the thing, because you're part of it going, I haven't got it. I'm, I don't feel well. There's nothing wrong. But I'm not developing a cough. But I don't feel well. Yeah, I had some. I haven't got I haven't got I know I haven't got I know I'm being sick. I haven't got it. I know, but I can't chance it. I better quarantine because I'm not grand and I couldn't live for myself. And like, I'm I'm going home to my kids and to my mum who'd be in her 60s and she's, she's cancer. She's diabetic. So like, I mean, she's out working, but like you imagine if my if you had it and you'd pass it on to my mommy, yeah. you'd be disgusted. So you're kind of going, I oh, know we have to do the right thing. But at the same time, well, surely at this stage now, it's been a week. It's been two weeks. I haven't seen the doll. And I have, you know, maybe I should just get tested now. But you're also going, yeah, but I probably haven't got it. I don't really want to go down to COVID fucking central down the road to get tested and pick it yeah, up there. Exactly. So that's the thing and that no the one talks thing is about. You go, well, how many people are like me mm. you know, who haven't, who, you know, who haven't, who aren't working. So, you know, obviously you don't want to go to work with it. But I'm sat there going, if it was me, I'd be like, oh, 
I can't I can't live in quarantine the whole time. I better just find out. But I'm also going, look at if I have it, I'm not gravely ill, I'm not worried about my well being, so I'll just stay put. And if I go down and get it, then I'm mixing with all the lepers down. <laughs> so like it leaves you in that that is the human thing of going, Well, I don't actually have somewhere to be, I'd rather just stay put. But then that drives you insane. Hmm. Anyway, our COVID thing has gone off the scale in terms of numbers of people catching it. Deaths, of course, are lower. Medication is helping people. Medicine has worked out how to handle this disease a lot more than it did back in the first outbreak. And we're recording it on the day when Donald Trump Jr. says that in America, coronavirus has gone away and is almost down to nothing. That is the day that they crossed the 9 million threshold. They put on 80,000 new cases in one day, the highest ever. As we're talking, they're probably resting the tape of 230,000 Americans dead. We're here to talk about the election on Tuesday. This is late Friday night. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, right. So we keep doing this every couple of days. Go, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, I want Biden to win. I don't want Trump to win. My prediction is if I was to put money on it, I'd be putting money on Biden, I think. But I, I also don't for a minute think, ah, yeah, Biden's definitely going to win. I have a few Bob riding on him, Biden and Biden. We have a situation, though, which is quite interesting in the sense that actually I want to play um, this idea of leadership. And Donald Trump could be a shoe in, in my opinion, for the presidency if he had treated the coronavirus with respect and led the country through it. If you have a very, very crude analogy of uh, those of you who are still thinking it's just like a flu there are 230,000 deaths. That's about four Gillette Foxborough stadiums full of dead people. Uh, the normal flu would be less than half a stadium on a bad year. But the, the thing about Trump and America is they can't hide because so many other countries can look at each other and see what happens. It's the same mm. virus everywhere, give or take a strain or two. So on the 17th of March, we just had a general election when this thing all blew up, as those regular listeners will know. And our Prime Minister, Artishuk, at the time, was a, was a caretaker teacher until a new government was found. And he came out with this. Is the calm before the storm, before the surge? And when it comes, and it will come, never will so many ask so much of so few. We'll do all that we can to support them. We all need to take steps to reduce close human contact. That's how the virus is spread not just at public gatherings or in public places, but also in our own homes, places of leisure and places of work. Large public gatherings are cancelled, all pubs and bars are shut, and we've asked people to curtail or cancel social gatherings like parties, weddings and other celebrations. I know these choices won't be easy, but they are necessary. For those who lost their jobs and had their incomes reduced, there will be help and understanding from those who can give it particularly the banks, government bodies and utilities. Many of you want to know when this will be over. The truth is, we just don't know yet. This emergency is likely to go on well beyond March 29th. It could go on for months into the summer. So we need to be sensible in the approaches we take. It will mean avoiding unnecessary journeys, shopping online from local businesses and getting things delivered rather than physically going to the premises. In short, we're asking people to come together as a nation by staying apart from each other. Tonight I know many of you are feeling scared and overwhelmed. That's a normal reaction. But we will get through this and we will prevail. 
Tonight, on our national holiday, I want to send a message around the world. We are in this together. To the people of China, Spain and Italy, who suffered untold heartbreak and loss, we are with you. To everyone who's lost a loved one to this virus, we are with you. To all those living in the shadow of what is to come, we are with you. That was our teacher Leo Varadkar at the time. He's no Jacinda Ardern um, by any means. He is a doctor by trade or practice. Um, but what I'm make, the point I'm making, Don, is if Donald Trump had come out and done a speech of the nations, you know, I mean, we all remember where we were when we heard that. It wasn't that serious at the time. Jesus. It was like, fuck hell. You know? I mean, look, so look, just um, for anyone who missed it, uh, you mentioned it was the 17th of March and Leo Varadkar in his speech there mentioned our public holiday. So that's 17th of March is St. Patrick's Day. So it was kind of a thing. And it just kind of added to the drama of it. And like as I'm listening to that, like all that comes into my head is "Blinding Lights," the song by the weekend, because that was the song that got all of the old people on TikTok, <laughs> including me. And so, like when I hear, hear flashback, I'm getting flashbacks. I'm actually getting PTSD, and the soundtrack of it is do 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 do. But yeah, I am not. Um, I, I'm looking. I'm, I'm never going to be wet my knickers for Leo Varadkar. He's a dickhead. But Donald Trump, and I think pretty much any world leader, I kind of had a choice at the time, which is. Like, this is really serious. That's all pulled together. Or are you going to go, this is ridiculous. Yeah, whatever. Now, if you take the minimizing approach, then new facts will come to light. New shit has come to light. But you're always going to be, there's always going to be the cognitive dissonance of you're going, yeah, okay, fair enough. But like, you're always going to be spinning it because the cognitive dissonance is that you're on the side of let's not take this too seriously, economy first, yada, yada, people are overblowing this. It doesn't mean you're going to tell lies, but no matter what happens, you're going to have this cognitive distance always leading you to this narrative that it's not that serious. And if you take the thing of we have to do the right thing, then no matter how much it eases, you're all, you're kind of going to be led to acknowledge things have gotten better. However, therefore, we have to still stick to this. So I think if you pick your narrative, you're kind of painting your colours to the mask. So when you said that to me, you said it to me actually yesterday, the day before, and I remember thinking, yeah, there are in-between approaches, but essentially, are you voting for or against? And he picked the fucking wrong one, particularly being the Republican person and considering his base because, yes, I know there are Karens and they're like, my freedom and my rights. And he made masks, essentially guns in the narrative. However, it blew up in his face. Overall, he's like he's lost certainly a lot of older voters based on his handling of coronavirus. He, I mean, there are certain Trumpsters that are, no matter what he does, they're going to go, yeah. And if had he had he said wear masks, and I mean, the the human correct thing to do would have been from the start take it seriously and tell tell everyone the patriotic thing to do is to wear a mask and have them all wearing MAGA masks. But he chose the wrong fucking path. Now, considering his particular fan base, had he done like what Leo Radker has done there, and bearing in mind he's um a pretty conservative leader in Ireland, but it'd be uh, neoliberalism, it'd be uh, nationalism is not their flavour. So the patriotic shit could be seen as somewhat cheesy and corny. So that's not his flavour and he's gone patriotic. Now, if you imagine if you're Donald Trump and you've chosen, right, I'm going to choose my narrative, I'm on this side and I want to get everybody on board, he could have gone fucking full on, the Americans could be very patriotic. He could have like mm. really lit up the nationalism, the fan USA, base, USA, USA, USA star spangled face masks, all that jazz. 
and he would have had all these opportunities to be continually patriotic and calling on American men and women and children to look after their neighbour and look after their country and that they're heroes if they do the right thing and by staying home. He could have done that and it would have been so much easier and it was a bit of a fucking own goal that he picked the wrong side. Well, they like nothing more than a war and George Bush's second term was basically, you know, 9-11 driven. So if 9-11 hadn't happened, he would have been out because he was just, you know, he was a dope. But, I mean, we'd all love to have him back in power, I'd say. But he kept going on about the fact that he stopped flights from China where it was clear that most of the infection came into America via New York and New Jersey um, from Europe. So he missed that boat. But uh, Sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not... I'm trying to find the correct fact here. But I remember kind of looking into this recently and he didn't actually stop all the flights from China. So no, like he, the respect of the people that you want from China are still allowed to float right in from the country. And if it's not a racial issue, you go... Listen, if it's closed the borders, it's closed the borders because it's a pandemic and we don't want anything. Like we're closed, quarantine, we're closing the borders. But I think a shitload of people were still let come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just not the Chinese. You know, so he he, he, he did an interview with Bob Woodward. Ironically, Bob Woodward, who was the guy who exposed Nixon and the Watergate thing, still alive, an old man now. But, you know, that that came out about three months ago that he was talking to him in February. He knew exactly how bad it was. He knew about it and he decided... I'm not going to panic the people. I'm going and or the markets. He, 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 exactly. He doesn't mean the people. He means the markets. I'm not going to spook things. He knew all of these things were happening. If he had gone and done what, and like Boris Johnson is a good example of someone who bumbled his way hmm. and is now, well, course corrected, but like he was bumbling his way through. Yeah, February. he picked the wrong team too, but he realised a couple of weeks in, fuck, I picked the wrong side here. Yeah. How do I? How do I backstep without looking like? <laughs> And so I, we're still, by all accounts, so close in this race that if he had led his country with the patriotism and unifying people mm. together instead of this division that he seems to gloat over, he would be being elected right now. So the best thing the coronavirus has done, in my view, is it is going it is highly likely the coronavirus is going to be the reason Donald and his his, his response. Yeah, to I mean, I, here's it. Like, we actually don't know how close it is. That's the I think the constant thing because we're watching it fairly. We don't actually. No one knows how close it is. It could be quite close, or it could be a landslide, and we just don't fucking know. It's really it's it's just impossible to measure. But well, if I'm, we go, I'm predicting that there's going to be a landslide. I, I think that well, you know, landslide is a strong term, but I think newspapers around the world will use the word landslide. Mm. On, yeah, on but I I think we're we're looking at it right now going. It's close because we're not all that happily confident that he's out. Well, next I mean, I week. think the, the, the lesson um, from sixteen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Polls were wrong. Yeah. very badly wrong. But we don't know if it's close. It's just that I mean, any of the political pundits are kind of going. It could go either way. I mean, they're still going. You know, it's looking better for Biden, but it could go either way. I think nobody wants to say. But the reality is, it, what could come to light in a week's time is that it's an absolute landslide and. Biden had it by a mile. That could easily come to light, but for right now, we're not confident of that. And more, more people in Texas have voted early, information out tonight, than voted on the day in the whole of Texas the last time. And you have to say, why do people come out to vote early? Okay, so on the one hand, there's a lot of Trump fans out there who are going, I'm going to go out and support my president. They're also more gung-ho. They don't believe in social distancing. They don't believe in all this. Mm. I mean, I'm generalising, of course. Well, no. But the reason more people are coming out early is, I think, they're fed up with this fucking Egypt and they're going to make their vote count this time. It's going to yeah. be the biggest vote probably in over 100 years. Look, when I see early voters, I'm kind of going, mm, probably Biden voters. I, on the one hand, you've got the gung ho Trumpsters, but they were coming out to vote anyway. So if you look at who undervoted, who were 
dissuaded from voting last time, people of colour, basically people who would not be likely to vote for Trump were dissuaded from voting last time. So who's coming out now? And then you also go, Trump has entirely, for the past couple of months, been going on about postal votes and trying to discredit them in advance because he knows they're not going to be in his favour. So when I see postal voting, when I see early voting, it just reeks of Democrat and full sure plenty of people have voted for Trump that have voted early. But generally speaking, it kind of seems like more of a Biden vote mm-hmm. when they're coming out home or out, out early. Then it suggests, Jesus, we might be in for a landslide. Maybe. I mean, I had my first brush with a Trump supporter on Twitter. A woman, I, 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 I mentioned her name, uh, even though she doesn't know she's going to be on the show. Her name is Pamela Pesta, and she's actually written a book called Letting Go of the Thief, A 90-Day Journey into the Chattering Mind of an Alcoholic. And she came to me on Twitter via our Alcoholism podcast three episodes back where we were talking about that and mm-hmm. Craig Smith's one. And um, she was, it was just interesting to hear the mind of someone. And she's very polite, very nice, friendly. And she said, I'll read some of the stuff. She said, have you researched all of my president's accomplishments? He has created the best employment for minorities ever. His prison reform bill has helped those placed in jail due to unfair practices. He's absolutely right in immigration. We can't afford just let people in there. Just let people in. There has to be a system. My grandparents would be an example of entering legally. The Pravda media is a sure sign that she's a big Fox News. Ironically, the Fox News crew, who are almost like the Pravda media, keep calling all the other media the Pravda media, uh, never shows his kind side. Apparently, Donald Trump has a kind side. Mm. I could go on. Joe is corrupt. Are you refusing to look into his 47 years in politics? Perhaps you have met your first Trump supporter. Oh, she is going to go on. No, I am not racist, nor any other name. The blue side likes to call out. In this election, you are either voting Democrat or American in capitals. (laughs) Did she do the shouty boomer capitals? P.S. My father is Irish. You have a lovely country. Hope you understand. Blessings. (laughs) So I wrote back a long thing to her, and she says, Wow, your perspective is so different than mine. Are you a proponent of Black Lives Matter, who destroyed innocent businesses? and murdered police did you ask the question as to who pays for that in the end did you see the looting one for you Don what about abortion Joe's pro-abortion even, <laughs> even after the baby is delivered I oh my god after the baby is delivered yeah. they're the worst abortions three states have made that available President Trump believes all life is sacred um, did you hear Joe about Joe's oil hopefully Pennsylvania Ohio and Texas heard that big job losses coming also Joe's senility which is sadly ignored. Look into Miss Harris too. I could go on. Were you she pro-Hillary? keeps saying she could go on and then she goes on. Now there's a list of corruption and death. Her husband also has a laundry list of female accusers, always ignored by the media. I do wish my president would stop tweeting. I agree on how he looks. it looks unstatesmanlike. However, Obama could say whatever he wanted and hid behind his half-black rhetoric, which made him untouchable. Not racist By the way, the Democrats no longer own the black vote. That's completely changing. Just watch. God bless President Trump. I do love a good debate. Hope you're not offended. Blessings. And I said, no offence taken. And fair play to her. She that is the president. most fucking seppo thing I've ever heard. But we're, yeah, we're in this situation where that's the belief. But what's funny is like, this is a person who views himself, because she's written a book, she views herself as an academic. She views herself as the more respectable side saying I don't think it's to do with that I think no that, but I mean like she's put forward look I, I, I do wish my president would stop tweeting no, I mean I would I could understand someone going look I wish he'd stop tweeting I understand sometimes he's not the most statesman like and I'd prefer that but here I agree with him on these policies you know in theory I'd go I respect your point but I'm also going 
as someone who's essentially putting yourself forward as the responsible, reasonable voice and acknowledging, look, sometimes he can be a bit brash, but I think this is being ignored. She's hit every single fucking milestone along the way of, I'm not racist, but I'm going to say a shitload of racist stuff here. I'm going to do the whole boomer capitals thing. I'm going to put out flash words. But I'm, I'm going I, to ask I, you I your opinion while telling her. you what your opinion means. I'm no, I'm just saying, saying it's an example, though. She's just articulating, probably because she's a writer, she's able to articulate in writing. You know, I, I, I have no concept of his accomplishments. He talks about a new uh, care but, act that he hasn't even showed up. Here's the thing. Like, we consistently... like. The idea that, I mean, imagine if you had said, right, this election is about empathy, it's about intelligence, and somebody else had gone, you know what, no, it was it's racism, about... racism, actually. No, but imagine if somebody had said, this is about facts. I would say, no, it's not, because there are no facts, because Donald Trump continually puts out facts, which, I mean, if you take, for instance, Barack Obama was speaking in Florida, I believe, a couple yeah. of days ago, and he was putting out some numbers and going, you can Google that and check that, here are the numbers, Trump claims this, when in actual fact, he inherited the best economy he inherited the highest growth in jobs and in the three years since he became president which excludes the pandemic so that takes that out of the equation he, he messed it up and those facts were verified and checked and you're going okay but this this completely goes against what donald trump says but then again donald trump just shits out whatever rhetoric he wants and when you go and fact check those you go well everyone's just saying what they want and so it's just up to me who i like to listen to but I've checked what Barack Obama said, and that's actually accurate. There are figures that you can check. I've checked what Donald Trump has said. Mm-mm, not getting any back. Well, they both lie. I mean, like... The well, I think bit, narrative lies. The whole idea, I think, is correct that the American political system is fucked. Oh, it is. It is. It is. And has been fucked for 25 years, yeah. 30 years. But I think the point being, it. narrative lies all the time. But on the, the idea that like you consistently hear, well, like, facts don't care what your feelings think. And that here are the facts and people don't like Donald Trump. They think he's a bad guy. But, you know, he did this, he did this, he did this. No one talks about that. And you go, well, I've looked that up and actually that's not true. Yeah, he, he, he I've clearly, looked it up and I fact-checked it and actually that's not accurate. Yeah, he clearly hasn't done a lot of things that he says he has. It's more about the blind faith. And Fintan O'Toole, one of our respected journalists, who doesn't work for CNN or for Fox News or whatever, he's a, a respected, award-winning journalist in an Irish newspaper who's also analysing what's going on over in America. And he made the point that it's it's this demagoguery. So this this yeah. idea that you put yourself on a plinth. And he talked about basically Donald Trump's pitch is I'm alive. And he has a biblical mm. approach. I caught the virus. Rose again. I rose again on the third day. And we talked about this the last time. Yeah. And then he has a scientific approach. And his scientific approach is I'm immune. And if our leader, if our dear leader is healthy, alive, waving at us from the balcony of the White House, saying things are going to be okay, then we all believe him and mm. we all row around him. And it's just deeply, deeply Yeah, but I also think it's epically timed in terms of the problem with populism and, and not just right-wing populism, but like the way the world is going, like when things are so deeply impacted by social media and the internet and how much we can, even if you, choose, even if you actively try not to do the echo chamber thing, you look at how the suggestions and what comes onto your newsfeed are affected. You don't have a choice. You're going to live in some element of an echo chamber. And that is that is the impact that the internet and social media has had. Now, I remember talking about five, six years ago about how I was interested to see how it's going to play out. And a lot of people were giving out about social media and the effect it's having. And I thought, okay, but it's the town square. So what's interesting is that people who have never been invited to have a seat at the table are now going to be given an opinion. 
where it was just for educated people, for people who read the papers every day. And I mean, broadsheet, not tabloid. Now everyone's going to have an opinion. Everybody has a soapbox. That's quite interesting. That's going to be massively changing for democracy. I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. And now I'm going to, oh, fuck. And this brings you back to the ancient Greek thing of, is democracy really a good idea? Because <laughs> that means every dickhead gets a voice. Some people are not that well informed. And this sudden surge of... But just let me stop you there. I mean, everyone... Do, that's the problem. Everyone doesn't have an opinion. Everyone uses... No, everyone has an opinion. It's just some of them are shit no, and some no, of them are no, ill-informed. No, no, no one is... The, top, the amount of people who are engaged in social media on politics and news is tiny. No, but here's... When I, when I'm, TikTok I think a shitload of people have opinions and put out opinions. However much they actually invest... In, in how well formed those opinions are a different thing have they earned the right to air those opinions but we now have a system which is much more democratic that everybody gets a soapbox everyone gets to spout their shit and algorithms will decide how much they're going to be and that's based on advertising it's going to make money it's based, based on clicks so everybody so in terms yeah, so basically there is the meritocracy thing has kind of died away to an extent and on the one hand you go okay that's a big blow to elitism where people who haven't gone to university and don't have six degrees in psychology and politics and all and, and law degree, but other people who go, well, I've lived a life and I'm intelligent. I've, I, I, now I'm allowed to have a voice. And that seems great from like a worker's point of view in theory. But what it ends up being is people who've got six degrees off Facebook and they got their PhD on Twitter and now they're going, well, I know your scientist said that, but there were too many big words in that and I didn't like that and it didn't suit me. So now I'm going to say this thing that I learned on a YouTube video and I'm going to dig my heels in. And I think that was what started to happen around the time that Donald Trump, like phones had the internet 10 years ago, but not, but like we did it on the on the laptop. It happened, it was on my phone, but you didn't use things on your phone. Smartphones weren't that much of a thing. And since then, now everything's on your phone. That changes us massively as people. That changes how we live and how we consume information and how we interact with each other. And so kind of halfway through that point from 2010 to 2020 is around the time when Donald Trump's being elected and we're kind of going, oh, okay, now everybody's online and it's in their pockets and we're now all kind of tweeting from our pockets and this is new. Everyone has a voice. Quite democratic. This is going to rock the system. And now we're at 2020 going... Yeah, but every fucking dickhead who didn't bother to read a book, their voices are being amplified as much as those who actually informed themselves. And that brings around the philosophical idea of, yeah, but I, I don't want elitism, but what about meritocracy? Do we want every fucking idiot who wants to make a point to be heard as loudly? And how do we differentiate between every taxi driver spouting as shite and somebody who's actually a world-renowned scholar in a particular I mean, who are we going to listen to? Are we going to give weight to these opinions? And I think that has really muddied the waters. With Donald Trump, if you've, if you enjoy, if you suddenly enjoyed having a platform where you never did, and you like you're allowed to spout your opinions, and you were never anybody important, no one was ever going to hand you a microphone and ask you what you think. But suddenly you get to say what you think. You can't really hold your own in academic circles. That make that makes you feel bad. But there are certain little small circles in the village square who go fucking dead right. You're speaking sense, you're saying it as it is, and you go, thanks, great. So you can see how people get sucked into the kind of knuckle-dragging, far-right, simplistic, incendiary politics. But once you've painted your colours to the mask, then no matter how... And I think that's where you start in 2016, where people are going, that's attractive to people who feel accepted and who don't feel excluded because they're not academic enough. And I think there is this kind of bourgeois problem where people felt excluded from 
if you look at America, the Democrat politics, I'm not educated enough. I'm not worthy of a platform there, but every man has a voice when it comes to Donald Trump's thing. I'm, I matter. I'm saying it as it is. And I think that drew people in. But then once you start putting your Trump flags outside and fighting people on it, two, three years later, when you're going, fuck, no, this chap is terrible, the cognitive dissonance sets in because you've made it your business. You're, you've painted it in blood. I'm on this side and you'll do anything to defend it. And I think that's why the worse he gets, no matter what he does, people who are on his side can't bear it because it's the tribalism has set in so much. But I do think the reason that people settled in his tribe was because they felt worthy in his tribe. Then you have to start thinking he's a bit of a genius. Because one of the things he does every night, I mean, we watch it every night, he runs to the news cycle and he puts out words and he says things in a way that he knows is going to rile people up. Hmm. He knows it's going to rile the, rile, the, rile the intelligent people up on a how dare you say that, you unstatesmanlike wanker. Hmm. And he knows that even them getting riled up is going, to, is going to play to his base. It's going to USA, USA, his base and his rallies. You know, he's doing 17 rallies over the next four days, none socially distanced, none with masks, the majority of which have done with masks. And you have to say, well, maybe the guy's actually a fucking genius. I, I certainly don't think he's a genius. I, what I think he is is intuitive. Yeah. I think he probably hasn't worked out exactly why he does what he does. I think he's arrogant. I think he's a megalomaniac. I think he's a fucking idiot. However, I do think he's intuitive enough to kind of tune in to know he has a feel for what works. And I don't, th- I don't, and like maybe I'm being arrogant saying this, but I, I do strongly feel this is how and why people have gone to his side, not just him and other leaders like him, but I think it is this disempowered, often emasculated person who feels that they're not welcome at the table of academics and suddenly they get a voice and they feel important and they, you know, they stick to the club that makes them feel big. And that's how he got his, his voters. And he, now a couple of years on the, along the line, he can, he can push it even further because people won't back down after. Nobody wants to feel stupid. I don't think he fully gets it. I don't think he's in any way a genius, but I think he's intuitive enough to know. He knows when he's putting something out that's going to be incendiary. He's like, yeah, fuck the liberals. This is going to get them going. I think it's it's intuitive, but it's still there. You know, there's, there's talk of a huge number, we didn't talk about this earlier, of people who, and I think I know a few, who uh, are intelligent and are smart and are educated, who are secretly voting. You know, selfish people. And I think it does come down to greed. It Mm. comes down to the failed experiment that is vastly becoming apparent in the United States of America, where all of those great promises in the Constitution about bring me your poor and bring me your weak and freedom, liberty, do whatever you want, that's actually not true. But there is this thing, I'd well believe it's never discussed, and you talk about it, how many people know he's a dickhead? No, it's probably not the right thing. However, it serves their interests. So whilst they wouldn't ever be caught putting up a Trump sign in their front yard or wearing a Trump badge, and they might not say they're voting for Trump at a dinner party, they might go, oh, I might vote for Trump because it would suit my taxes. Yeah, or, you know, as we said the last time, we had a ridiculous amount of Catholics are voting for him, even though Joe Biden is a Catholic. Which brings us on to the... They just brushed in that new High Court, uh, Supreme Court Justice... Yeah, we talked about Amy Coney Barrett. She's in there now. Deed and is the done. The sisterhood have had a corollary problem in Poland. Yeah, so we're doing a bit of a side note. Uh, I don't think we can pass this week without making note of what's going on in Poland. I think this is interesting because I see, obviously there are huge parallels with Ireland, but there's also, I'm seeing parallels with the USA. So basically in Poland, the, the abortion laws were some of the strictest in Europe since 1993. There were three grounds for abortion. One was in the case of rape or incest. 
two was uh, in the case of a threat to the health or life of the mother and three was in the case of congenital defect and so long and short of this bill is that number three has been removed so there's no such thing as abortion for that now and bear in mind 98% of abortions in Poland went through based on number three which is congenital defects so that's essentially abortion has been outlawed in Poland why it's interesting when you compare it to the US situation is that they had tried to do this through the parliament a couple of times, but the Polish women just got out in force and, and protested and parliament were not fucking with them. They set up a commission in uh, 2016 and what happened was there's a far-right party in Poland, which is the PIS, I think, and they started to stack the commission. So immediately I'm thinking of the courts being stacked. And they tried a few times and what's happened now is because the commission's been stacked with PIS members, which are far-right, um, the commission found that it's unconstitutional, so therefore number three, which again is the congenital defect thing, has been removed, and it bypassed Parliament. So the women have been out in force for the, for the past week or so, massive protests, and the Polish president, which is Andrzej Duda, who would be aligned to PIS, he had come out kind of saying, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign this into legislation," but after the week, he's kind of done a U-turn and said well, I actually support number three and I think that it's terrible to expect women to go through this. But he hasn't said well, I think the point is that the, I mean, the Poles have been on the naughty step in Europe for years now. They've been riding roughshod over their judiciary. Guess what's happening in America? Mm. Donald Trump is riding roughshod over the judiciary. But the bottom line is that like it's, it's become quite far right. And I mean, in this instance, what's come out in the past couple of days is the most powerful man in Poland, who's the... I think he's actually the... Prime Minister. I think he's actually the Vice Prime Minister, but he's the leader of the leading party. I mean, he's come out stating not just the Constitution, but an Archbishop's interpretation of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And he's come out saying, Poles, you need to protect the churches. Mm -hmm. And and this is really interesting when you compare it to Black Lives Matter because it's a very similar narrative. So women are interrupting masses with their protests They've spray-painted cathedral walls and like, it's a massive thing. So he's coming out and the narrative is very, it's frighteningly similar to the narrative that comes out against Black Lives Matter, that, you, you know, these are thugs, that these are tearing apart your communities, you need, to com- you need to protect Poland, you need to protect the church, you need to protect America, you need to check Christian values. Like, it's a very similar thing. Yeah, um, not similar to Ireland. Yeah, years well, ago, years yeah, well the, it, I think it's a little bit different to the journey we're on. I mean, where it relates to us is that we have, I don't think it's anywhere else that's quite as similar as Poland to Irish women and we're so well set up from two, three years ago being extremely linked to having abortion pills sent in. So we're kind of, all of our activist groups are still pretty much intact. So we're volunteering and trying to help. And obviously we have a huge Polish community here, so we really want to help. But I think for, for, for US people to be looking at, it's it's really interesting because if you look at the packing of the courts and the packing of a commission, you look at a right-wing government coming in and taking lead from Christian right groups and this is what's happened and this is how they've bypassed parliament and this is the result. This is the big scare that I think America's sleepwalking through is that, yes, he came in, I think, on the wave of you know Americans being fed up of lobbying, the money-grabbing, business-focused American parliament of what it become. They brought a businessman. They just brought the wrong guy in, you know? They brought, they needed they needed somebody who was young. They need somebody who is fair. They they, they instead bring this guy in who's as who is the who is the symptom, you know, to try but, and fix the so problem. So when you say that, I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'm genuinely curious. When you say they, who's they and what's the, they, in, the at what people. end? Uh, for what end? So like you understand why Donald Trump came in, and you go, well, they just needed this, and I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm actually curious. So, what would have been good, or what would have been useful? Who should they have brought in, and why? Well, I think this dates back to probably 
it probably dates back further than Reagan, but like if you want to lie in the sand, a Republican leader, Reagan, smashed unions, broke down American industries in favor of the people who were running them versus the people who were working for mm. them. So the American worker has experienced a decline, a bit like the North of England worker. Well, like Reagan was like, completely based on Thatcher. He was too stupid. No, the two of them were in cahoots together. Well, he just no, copied well, Thatcher because he, he was too thick to no, talk his own he, shit. he wasn't too thick because he had a whole bunch of people behind him pulling his strings. Okay, so the American Thatcher, Reagan, neoliberalism. Well, they had a Thatcherite Neoliberalism phase. built based on an America... I think it was the, the air traffic controllers mm. and in Britain it was the miners. Miners. So we're going to decimate protections around people who mm. have jobs. That's been going on for years. Yes, Obama came in and probably fixed the hospital pass he was given when the economy collapsed. When he first came in, he hands over a reasonably mm. forward-looking country. Well, America still had a lot of problems. But That's Donald not... Trump didn't cause all this. So the point I'm trying to make is they need somebody to come in and go, it's not all about big business or lobbying or, or, mm. or special interest groups who can, pay, who can spend billions on the internet. Or I know, and I get that, but there are so many different days. So, so it's not me kind of going, oh, they, they. The American people. No, I know. What's it's not good me going, for the oh, worker, the, the blue-collar worker. But I don't think everybody wants the same thing. So I'm kind of going, who would it be good for? The majority of Americans. Yeah, yeah. Okay? It's a democracy. So you've, got, you've basically got... Massive growing inequality over 30 years. A third of all Americans are almost below the poverty line and near it, a couple of missed paychecks away from yeah. that. That's 100 million people. Now, there are lots of people making money as ever. Yeah, and it's yeah. still very innovative and it's still got all these great things going for it. But the body politic is rancid. But I mean, like you look at it from a European perspective and like an Irish perspective, and they're all going like, all of the people who are so badly hurt by this US Thatcherite system that has gone on and flourished at this neoliberalism and this just disgusting capitalism and it's again it's like the miners or the Ford car workers and like you know that element of America that's been crushed you, like you do understand you needed a Bernie yeah <laughs> well, but yeah. he's the wrong he, like it's the wrong shade of what you've been sold it's a bit like here okay we you know Sinn Féin nearly broke into government by crushing the old Fianna Fáil, yeah. Fianna Gael, are not dissimilar to, to yeah, yeah, yeah. De- Democrat and Republican. However, what happened here was the reason Sinn Féin didn't get it was because they didn't have enough candidates. Right. Had they put, had they put forward all the candidates, they no, it's not might. They absolutely would have. And that to me would be very dangerous because I think that they're unqualified. To true, true, true. So that's what happens, and that's where Peter Casey gets votes, and that's what happens. People come in and they just rile against things. Yeah. yeah in a wolf-whistly, racist kind of way. Well, populism, and, like, if you think the word, po- word populism, it's based on popularity. So populism doesn't necessarily automatically mean that the person is completely unqualified and terrible and bad. Right. Generally speaking, what we find is, I mean, we've we've kind of attributed to the word populist. Like, if I say populism, you go, or a populist, you go, oh, shit. You know, like, it's not good pictures. But if you think about what populism actually is, you go, right. So <laughs> had we tapped into that in a responsible sort of way, that might have been useful. Hmm. Well, it's anti-globalist. It's anti-immigration. It's turn. It's lock up the country and wave the flag. It's nationalist. No, 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 no. It, general, it, it's not. No, it tends to be, and that's why oh. pop, when we when we hear the word populism, that's what we think. But it's not actually necessarily at core that. Of course, that's what fucking happens. But it's not necessarily that. Well, I mean. 
there's also democratic socialism, which is a different thing as well, yeah. which is a far more palatable for me anyway. But this is the thing. You, you know, someone said the Brazilification of America is happening right mm. now. And if Donald Trump gets elected next week, I will despair. I mean, yeah. I just, I think it is the worst. I mean, I would literally worry for the world's future. You know, I worry for, forget about it. He doesn't give a shit about the climate, right? So that's yeah. going back steps. I worry about nuclear war. I worry yeah. about, uh, I worry about lots I of. I just like, look, a lot of us panicked and then a lot of us went, oh, it can't be that bad, but get rid of him. He's not going to last that long. I know this is ridiculous. Yeah. Fuck it, Lily At this point, we, the whole world's at a shake here. We're just going, Okay, once once we'll forgive, but twice we're kind of going. The world, I don't think the world can cope with the news, which I, I think to an extent. Well, I think he's awful. I think to an extent, it's kind of a little bit hyperbolic, but it's how we all feel. And like my kids would hear me going about politics, but their kids they don't give a shit. But what I notice is their friends in their houses, politics is never discussed. Their friends are fuckwits. They don't know. <laughs> they don't fucking know. And I'm sitting there going. All the children of Ireland want next week, by the way, they all know it's an election and they don't understand American politics. They don't even fucking know who Taoiseach is this month in Ireland. But all the children of the world want is for the Cheeto to lose his job. Yeah. And what I would, like, I, I, I presume Panto isn't a thing in America and I'm not sure if they would, would grasp that. So in Ireland and I know in the UK, we have this thing called Pantomime, which is like they'll do fairy tales like Cinderella or whatever at Christmas time, Snow White. And there's a such thing as a panto dame, and then there's always going to be a baddie, which might be the stepmother. It's a weird fucking thing. You have to look at it. If you don't get it, it's a weird thing. But every child gets brought, even if you're poor, most kids get brought to the panto at Christmas. It's a fucking big deal. It's the highlight of your year. You know, you'll have the panto dame, which is essentially a drag queen, going, where is he? And the children will go, he's behind you. The baddie's behind you. And no child is going to the panto this year. They've had a fucking shit year. Halloween is cancelled. Their birthday parties, everything has been cancelled. It's been a shit year. And all the kiddies want is for Donald Trump, who is the baddie of the pantomime, to lose his fucking job. So listen, if you don't know what to do, if you think Biden's bad, just the children of the world, certainly the children of Ireland, are asking you, could you please just make their Christmas and get rid of the pantomime baddie and just vote for Biden? The, sh- the kids have been through enough. Let's hope that happens. I'm going to leave you with something from, I think, about 1993. It's one of my favourite bits. It's by the wonderful Bill Hicks. And just think how all of what he says applies today more than ever before you go and vote, if you're voting in America. Is there a point to my act? I would say there is. I have to. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. And the ride goes up and down and round and round. It has thrills and chills, and it's very brightly colored, and it's very loud, and it's fun for a while. Some people have been on the ride for a long time, and they begin to question, is this real, or is this just a ride? And other people have remembered, and they come back to us, and they say, hey, don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride, and we kill those people. (laughs) Shut him up. We have a lot invested in this ride. Shut him up. Look at my furrows of worry. Look at my big bank account and my family. This has to be real. It's just a ride. But we always kill those good guys who try and tell us that. You ever notice that? And let the demons run them up? But it doesn't matter because it's just a ride. And we can change it anytime we want. It's only a choice. No effort, no work, no job, no savings of money. A choice right now.
between fear and love. The eyes of fear want you to put bigger locks on your door, buy guns, close yourself off. The eyes of love instead see all of us as one. Here's what we can do to change the world right now to a better ride. Take all that money we spend on weapons and defense each year and instead spend it feeding, clothing, and educating the poor of the world, which it would many times over, not one human being excluded, and we can explore space together, both inner and outer, forever in peace.